good morning folks today is august 31st it is a wednesday welcome to episode 187 of simply cyber's daily cyber threat briefing can't say 187 without thinking of like the chronic uh chronic 2000 dre the whole the whole um west coast cali uh rap vibe uh from the 90s so 187 i'm your host dr gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, this gritty-voiced host will be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. <clears throat> excuse me. Or if you're looking to break into the industry, I got you covered. Uh, guys, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk for 45 minutes. This is kind of like, this is kind of spiraling downhill quickly here. Before my voice goes, I want to say shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Cyber, <clears throat> man. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and get your business back on track. I just threw a Ricola in. Let's hope the advertisements are as good as, or the product is good as the advertisement. Let me tell you again about Barricade Cyber Solutions. I'm sorry. Eric Taylor does such a great job with his company that it warrants being said correctly cyber criminals have stolen your company's date de- <laughs> all right cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations barricade cyber solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and get your business back on track i want to remind you if you hold professional certifications like a sysp system sysa all the good ones pnpt as, uh, as has been discussed lately in social media, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Beefing um, is worth half a CPE. So it stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs. How do you, how do you, how do you earn them? Well, you just earn them by being here. But how do you make it uh, forensically sound that an auditor couldn't push back? Just say what's up in chat. Say hashtag team live. Say where you're coming from. Oh, you know what, guys? I've been waiting for this all week. It is Worldwide Wednesday. Thank you, Cosmic. Worldwide Wednesday. So just as we're doing the intros, I'm sorry about my voice. But as we're doing the intros, tell us where you're coming from. On Wednesdays, we're going to try to run the gambit and see if we can do um, every continent, sands Antarctica. So holler at me. Where are you coming from? Uh, mods, if you can, if you can uh, help me uh, track this uh, across the stage. Uh, guys, I want you to know I sound like hell, but trust me, I feel much better than I did yesterday. And I feel a whole lot better than I did on Monday. So even though I sound awful, what's up, Ireland? I see you, East uh, Europe, Gulf Coast, Texas in the house. Listen, we got a lot of America representing. Love it, love it, love it. I know I sound awful. I will do my best to make this an enjoyable experience for you this morning. But know that I, I feel good. It's just my throat is, you know, not great. So, all right. And, and guys, if you want, I have Eric Taylor standing by. He's ready to jump in and host. If, if uh, audio is so important to the uh, stream and the quality and the experience for you guys. So, if this is unbearable... You know, like, don't be rude, but be honest. 
and um, Eric Taylor can jump in and host the show today if this is unacceptable. All right. If you're live, love it. Thanks for being here. Obviously, tell us where you're at. Wisconsin's up in here. Love it, love it, love it. If you're watching on replay, put hashtag team replay. All right. We'll definitely do team replay in the comments, in the chat. You guys want to make sure that you get that evidence. Plus, I love seeing who's watching on replay. Um, definitely love it. Now, if you are on replay, you guys get uh, the power of time travel, as I always put. So when this picture right here changes to um, news, we're off and running. Also on your podcast audio app of choice, you can jump two minutes into the future and be off and running. But for the next two minutes, I'm going to suck on this throat lozenge, drink this coffee, say good morning to all of you, and welcome you all into stream. So good morning, everybody. How we doing? I see you, John, Kyle, Omatola, Muhammad. What's up, Jay Smith? Dan Ketledge in here. Tom Bishop, as usual. I see BSEC in here. Thanks, BSEC. We got a, we got a, a thank you mid-roll um, share from BSEC himself, one of our own mo community mods, delivering value to the community. What's up, Will Reed? Always nice to see you in here. For all of those who have interviews coming up, or had interviews uh, this week already. I wish you the very best. I hope that you all are crushing your interviews. I hope that you are in a position where you are deciding if this company is a good fit for you, not the other way around. I hope them wanting you is a no-brainer, obviously. I hope you're in a position of power to make decisions that you are excited about and that you want to do. That's what I hope for all of you this week. Yeah, I got Red Team representing. We'll be talking about that later. I'm going to be coming at Jack Scott at 11.30. Oh, real fun story really quick. Um, hey, what's up, Sasha from Germany? I know you're doing good. Munchkin, always nice to see you. Janelle Isaacs, hey, yeah. Amigos, interview Friday. Hold on, I got a sound bit for that. What are we doing? Um, sound bit Friday? Hold on. Interview Friday. What can we do? What can we do? Oh, you know what? I got you. Where is it? Amigos, this one's for you. It's a new one. I came in like a there you go. Just crush into that interview. Wreck it. You'll be able to do it, I swear to God. Oh, yeah, fraud dog. Wicked. Wicked. Argentina. Thank you, Franco Lopez. We got South America. We've got Europe. We've got North America strongly represented. Um, internal strangers always in the... Uh, Oceanic region. Uh, I saw some India, so we got, we'll count that as Asia. Do we have Africa? Anybody from Africa? Sometimes we got South Africa, Ghana, uh, Nigeria is usually up in here. Let's see. Let's see. We all, the timer's ticking. We only got a minute. I'll share one more story. Hopefully, we can get Africa up in here. Leonardo representing the Caribbean, my man. If it's the same Leonardo, red teamer, Leonardo, look representing my friend. All right. Woo! Look at that. Muhammad just uh, got the Carl love. All right, so check this out. Let me share this with you. Hopefully, we can we can get Africa in here before the story finishes. Kenya, Philip Muga, winning winner winner chicken dinner. Can I? Do I have a winner? Uh, do I have a winner? I don't have a winner. How do I not have a winner? Oh, hold on. I'll do a Mario coin. Actually, you know what? You know what? I know, I know that you guys just want to get to the news, and I'm sorry, but this is this is what I'm going to start doing, I think. 
This is what I'm going to start doing when we win uh, Worldwide Wednesdays. And then I want to tell you this GRC story that's wicked funny, and then we're going to get going. All right. That's the winner sound. All right. Final thing before the news starts. Uh, somebody posted something on social media yesterday that was like a really cool uh, GRC asset. It broke it broke some controls down based on, you know, type of control, technical, administrative, physical, and then preventive, detective, um, corrective. It was a nice little matrix. I'm like, oh, hey, like, hey, original poster, Naomi. This is an awesome resource. Uh, great job. Do you mind if I use it as like a learning tool, either in a YouTube video or something like that? And she said, no, um, I, I would love it if you used it. By the way, like, um, I got into GRC because of your GRC course. Like, I am in GRC now. You know, not I exclusively, I'm sure, but in part because of the GRC course. So she was a student, came through, got a job in GRC, and now is developing content and giving back to the community. And I found it, and I want to use it. And I had no idea that she was a student. It's so cool. I love, I love it. I love it. Like, we're doing good things here, people. So good. All right, let me, um, Botswana in the house. Guys, we crushed Worldwide Wednesday, okay? That's all I'm saying. We crushed Worldwide Wednesday. All right, guys, now that we've crushed that, let's crush the news, all right? Let's get into it. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. Google Translate app is actually Windows crypto mining software. Someone is spreading cryptocurrency mining malware disguised as legitimate-looking applications such as Google Translate on free software download sites and through Google searches. The crypto mining trojan known as NitroCod, N-I-T-R-O-K-O-D, is typically disguised as a clean Windows app and works as the user expects for days or weeks before its hidden Monero crafting code is executed. It's said that a Turkish-speaking group is behind NitroCod and that they have been active since 2019 and were detected by checkpoint research threat hunters at the end of July this year. They wrote in a report published Monday, quote, the malware is dropped from popular applications that don't have an actual desktop version, such as Google Translate. All right, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. Do you know why? Because if you're a regular of the Daily Threat Briefing, you know that this guy was in yesterday's story, okay? So we were already briefed on this. Potentially, we've already educated our end users about this Google App Translate malware. We've already looked in our logs to see if there's any kind of nasty business or EDR, um, EDR uh, configurations to see if this Google App Translator thing is there. This is, a, this is a classic Trojan. But guys, daily threat briefing. We already covered this yesterday. We, we, this, this right here, psh, we already covered it. Not just covered it as far as ingested the information, but we actually, we made it actionable and did something about it. So much love, register, you're day behind, my friend, day behind. But you know what? It's good news. If you weren't here yesterday, I know I'm crapping on this story like we covered it yesterday. If you weren't here, the TLDR is basically the Google app translate that shows up in like you know, third-party download websites like Softpedia and up to down. It has a Trojan in it. It will do the translator stuff, but after about a month, uh, it'll start mining uh, cryptocurrency and sending it. It's run by a Turkish gang, period. 
White House to give aviation executives classified cyber threat briefing. The White House has been conducting classified cybersecurity briefings with executives from select critical infrastructure sectors as part of an ongoing effort to compel industry leaders to invest more in their digital defenses. The next meeting, scheduled for September, will be with executives from across the aviation industry, according to a senior White House cybersecurity official speaking to CyberScoop. The Biden administration's effort to increase industry support for upgrades to critical infrastructure formally launched last summer when the president signed a national security memorandum assigning federal agencies to develop cybersecurity performance goals for various critical infrastructure initiatives. Okay. All right, here's the deal. Okay, so yes, there are some advancing threats on... Oh, let me change my screen here. There are some advancing threats on um, critical infrastructure, and they're including transportation, um, I guess, as part of that. I mean, if you want to think about logistics, when I think aviation, I think of busing people around. But, you know, not to be cold, but to be kind of objective, supply chain, logistics, uh, transportation, that that's very important not to disrupt, right? Like, you know, we have some people who work in transportation. A lot of people think of just trucks and, and cargo ships and stuff, but planes do transport um, material, trans, you know, stuff like that. Not as much as cargo ships and stuff like that. But, and obviously protecting humans um, are is critically important as well. But the White House has been giving these briefs to the aviation executives in order to compel them to bring them into the fold, to, to educate them on threats so they can do something about it. What I want to tell you about here, this is interesting, and this is interesting, and I'll tell you what, if you work in aviation, which is a you know small subset of, of us, then this is relevant, right? But there's nothing really actionable for you to do. The key takeaway here, and this is what I want to share with you. This is like a lesson learned that is true for anyone. Like, seriously, like, please, please listen to this. If you've been working in the industry for more than like 10 years, you're going to like, please tell me I'm right or I'm wrong. And if you haven't been working in the industry very long or you're breaking into the industry, listen to me because this is a lesson you will never learn in a textbook ever. Okay. The fact that a outside source is educating the executives of a business on something matters. Here's the reason. I, as an internal CISO, could go to my management and say, listen, we are grossly you know, understaffed for security or we are grossly exposed to risk. We don't have multi-factor. We don't have you know, manage detection and response, like what, whatever it is, like, obviously I do the work and I actually have an informed risk assessment, you know, profile. And that I'm reporting on, we are grossly at risk. We need investment. We need money. We are just, you know, one mistake away from total annihilation, the, the business. Okay. And the executives will hear like this. Wah, 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 wah. Right now, here's reality, and this is so stupid, but it's so true. You hire a third party to come in, a professional services company. I don't care if it's a big name like Deloitte, PwC, whatever, or if it's a smaller business like Ceteria or Barricade Cyber or Recon InfoSec or whoever. Okay, you hire a third party, third party comes in. Third party does the exact same thing that you have been doing. 
third party briefs your executives. You have gross problems. You need MFA. You need MDR. You are one mistake away from total annihilation. The executives are like, oh my God, where do I sign? Where do I write the check to? I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. This is so, I have I can't even see chat right now, but I'm 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 guaranteeing you people are echoing what I'm saying. It doesn't make any freaking sense, but if someone outside the company tells the executives about the problem, it gets way more traction. In fact, it's not an uncommon tactic of CISOs to hire a third party, have them come in, then brief with the third party before they write their final report in order to shape the report. It'll still be honest, but shape the report to highlight the problems that the CISO actually wants to get fixed as a priority and then deliver that to the executives because we know the game and we know what the levers are in order to get that momentum in certain organizations. Certain organizations that are pro-cybersecurity, you don't need to do that nonsense. But other ones, you do. Okay? Distributor Baker & Taylor hit by ransomware. The world's largest distributor of books suffered a ransomware attack on August 23rd, which impacted the company's phone systems, offices, and service centers. On August 24th, the company announced that the attack caused disruptions to its business critical systems and that technical staff were working on restoring impacted servers. The company did not, however, reveal the name of the ransomware family that infected its systems or if the threat actors had stolen its data. Yeah, okay. They're in damage control. They didn't say whether or not um, who, who attacked them, because why would they? Who cares? And it didn't say if they uh, stole data, which, uh, you know, if I had uh, money to invest or to bet or whatever, they stole the data. Like what ransomware actor is not stealing data at this point? Like Conti, like defined it as a, as a practical business model. Like you steal the data, you're going to get paid whether they pay the ransom or not. So look for that to happen. Secondly, um, I don't know if I live under a rock or something, but I've never heard of Baker and Taylor, let alone realizing that they're the lar largest distributor of books. Um, maybe this is like a B2B kind of business, so I, that's why I don't know about it. But, um, you know, it is what it is, guys. I mean, at this point, with all due respect, I'm sorry for Baker and Taylor, but, um, you know, ransomware actors going to ransomware. This guy, this guy, let's see. Yeah, they're just they're just down. You know, it it could be it could be a, a million different things, right, guys? It could be uh one one account was given up, one MFA account, it could have been malware. Like I say this all the time, guys. I say this all the time. I, hold on. Ransomware, like it could be agenda ransomware, the new one from yesterday, or whoever this one is, or a classic ransomware threat actor like um like Conti or Hive or, you know, Alpha Black, Black Cat, whatever, whatever version of Black they are this week. They keep changing their name. It doesn't matter. What's up, Sue and Texera? Thanks for the sub. It, it doesn't matter. You guys need to implement or, or businesses need to implement sound, foundational, consistent detect, uh, protection and recovery controls from ransomware. There's a million out there. A lot of security vendors are targeting this market now because it is so rampant. $30 billion projected for 2023. So, 
you know, you got to be vigilant. You got to be consistent. This is why I talk about security awareness to end users um, regularly, like weekly, if you can do it, because you need to adjust their behavior because it only takes, I mean, it only takes once. Um, and then your whole business is screwed. And, and like, I'm telling you, man, like, I don't know what Baker and Taylor's security posture is. You can't obviously eliminate all risk of us of an attack, but you can limit the impact. You can reduce the likelihood, which are the two key factors of any risk calculation, just by doing the things you're supposed to do. So, sucks for these guys. I feel bad for the IT team. Those guys got me working. <laughs> you know, I hope they got overtime. Akasa Air suffers data leak on first day of operation. India's newest commercial airline, Akasa Air, accidentally exposed personal data belonging to its customers, an error that the company blamed on technical configuration problems. Security researcher Ashutosh Bharat stated the issue originated in the account registration process, leading to the exposure of the information such as gender, email addresses, names and phone numbers. He had found an HTTP request which gave his name, email, phone number and gender and so forth in JSON format and by changing some parameters in the request was able to see other people's PII. Once the company received the report, they temporarily shut down parts of its system and reported the incident to the Indian Computer Emergency Response Team. Okay. You know, okay. So this is an Indian airline uh, that basically have a data leak um on the first day it goes live so a couple things here one from a technical perspective uh my red team are people in here josh mason leonardo etc uh correct me if i'm wrong on the term but basically is this a is this a, a url not url rewrite it's basically where like you have an argument in the url as a parameter and you just change it because they're using a unique id in the parameter to query the database on the back end and you can modify that I'm not looking at chat right now. I think it's I think it's URL rewriting. Although URL rewriting is like a service that email gateways do. So I'm probably getting confused. There's definitely a term for it. It's a standard collection of attack types, right? Not in URL. Um, anyways, the point is, from a technical perspective, this is a fault. It's not a configuration error. This isn't a fault by the full stack developer if they use full stack devs or the input um, not the input sanitization, but the mechanism in which they did this query, right? It's not SQL injection. No, it's not SQL injection. It, it has to do with being able to modify directly it, input validation. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Sorry, guys. I'm like stumbling on this thing. Oh, yeah, IDOR. That's it. Yep. Indirect object reference. I think that's what IDOR stands for. Indirect ob object reference. You're, ob you're referencing an object, in this case, the user ID, that is indirect of what you're supposed to be if you follow normal workflows and stuff like that. Thanks, Leonardo. So from a technical perspective, this is a perfect example of IDOR. Okay, so now you have a case study that you can you know wrap your head around. Second of all, this is not... Um, this, this, they probably were trying to go live and they were rushed. And when things rush, when people rush, they just get the functionality working. They don't do all the test cases that they're supposed to. They don't do use case testing, et cetera. And things get dropped, right? They may not even have tested for this particular type of attack. How could you have fixed it really quickly? You could do a couple things. One, you could not push the parameter through the URL. 
Uh, maybe they weren't doing the URL. Maybe it was a hidden parameter within the body, but they should have done input validation. Is the session that's requesting this information mapped to whoever that user ID is in order for it to be you know, synced? Like you, you're logged in, right? Obviously you're logged in. So you should be able to say, okay, is this object that's being referenced appropriate for this user's login at this time? It's not simple, right? It's not easy to implement that techno te uh, that functionality, but you have to do it, right? I mean, this is, this is how you avoid IDOR. So anyways, good example. Sucks for these guys. Nothing's worse than like cutting the ribbon and then writing the we take security and privacy seriously here letter like immediately like the ribbon is like still fluttering to the ground <laughs> you know like writing the uh sorry um yeah yeah someone got a bonus to launch on start date you're dang right cybersite cyber insight canada and guys i mean this is why software security and software is hard because you know it, it's not exactly one-to-one -one for how it and infosec conflict on mission objective but think about it software developers are interested in writing functionality if this developer right fixed so idor couldn't happen the end user perspective would look no different management would not see any different yet the person worked tirelessly for 72 straight hours to implement it but they don't see any difference right now 72 hours you put it in and there's like a new like upgrade feature right so you click a button and it, it shows you like the seats are available for upgrade and you know management sees that because oh look we made an extra two hundred thousand dollars yesterday because of all these upgrades and uh consumers are happy because they're like oh cool i got a better seat at a good rate right so as a developer you're getting adulation you're getting recognition because of that functionality functionality always trumps security when it comes to software it sucks but it you know it's it is what it is Thanks to today's episode's sponsor, Code42. Cybersecurity teams are facing unprecedented challenges when it comes to protecting sensitive corporate data from exposure, leak, and theft. In fact, the Code42 annual data exposure report revealed that there is a one in three chance that your company will lose IP when an employee quits. To learn more about stopping data leaks with insider risk management, visit code42.com slash showme. That's code42.com slash show me. All right, let's just take a quick hot minute here. Uh, question for Chad, if you would, please just drop it in while I'm doing this little thing. You see how I have these two different looks? I have the small square with the Simply Cyber logo, and then I have the big square with my big head. Um, does anyone have a preference one way or the other? Like when, when there's alerts and stuff, it'll show up in this box. And when there's alerts this way, it shows up in this little corner over here. So... I don't know. Just let me know if it makes a difference or not. I'm kind of still trying to dial this in. All right, guys. So I just want to take one second and share a couple small things. One, our own DJ BSEC. You guys know him from chat. He's been a member of the Simply Cyber community for years. Uh, he's actually started a GitHub repo to help us all out. I'll drop a link in uh, chat. This isn't the one. No, this is the one, right? Yeah. So if you go here... It's basically an aggregated list. I know it's tough to see, but you you know, he's got different cybersecurity search engines all clickable. He's got cyber maps. You know, I think these are all funny, like pew pew maps, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Let's is it a pew pew map BSEC? That one doesn't work. Alright, you guys get the idea. It's a it's a list of uh, resources. There's uh, a lot of these out here. I'm sure this one's very good. So 
these aggregated sites are awesome. I appreciate BSEC for giving to the community. I'm going to drop this in chat so everyone can get some of that. So recommend checking it out at a minimum bookmark it. Come back to it later. There you go. There we go. All right. So thanks BSEC for the community service. Definitely appreciate that. Also, I want to thank all of you uh, for being engaged in the community. Like I know uh, when I send out a poll or ask a question in order to help make the streams better, you guys, um, you guys, you know, respond in full force. You've got, you guys drop great comments. I do go back and read the comments and absorb them. Uh, I, I basically take it as like feedback on how to improve the show and improve the experience and add more value. Um, so just know that, you know, I, I, I appreciate it. Like, I guess, thank you. Thank you for being the Simply Cyber community. All right, let's keep rolling. Pirate site span in Austria takes down Cloudflare CDNs by mistake. <clears throat> a legal case launched by an Austrian copyright organization convinced an Austrian court to block 14 websites for copyright law violations. Unfortunately, the ban also extended to specific IP addresses belonging to Cloudflare servers that supported many other sites that do not violate copyright laws. A report on the matter identified the root of the problem being that the copyright organization provided a list of IP addresses that ISPs banned without checking who used them. This included nine IP addresses that Cloudflare uses for its CDN to provide services such as security, reliability, and performance to legitimate websites. Giant. Okay, so gather round, children. I've got another one of like this is a this is an interesting story, but there's a bigger there's a bigger lesson here. All right. Oh my god, I think that I think the Ricola. I might have to throw a Ricola logo on the on the on the promo card. It's like my it's like my secret weapon, my my Popeye spinach. Like if I have one, I can speak and feel normal. Otherwise, like I just finished that one and instantly I was like, oh my god. Okay. So listen, way to go, Austria. Austria uh, basically puts a ban hammer down on pirate sites, like, um, you know, sites that are streaming um, illegal stolen material, I would assume. Like, um, you know, there's all sorts of pirated um, you, media sites. Like, you could watch, like, I don't know, like the newest Spider-Man movie that hasn't come out yet or, or anything like that, right? There's tons of sites like that. Or you could download illegal software. So Austria's like, we're done with this. Boom. They put a ban on it. Um, I'm not exactly sure how they took it down. I don't know if they issued uh, takedown notices to ISP providers or if they have some type of like um, national firewall like China does. I, I doubt Austria is doing that since they're kind of a... They're not an authoritative regime. So I think it, it's probably through takedown notices to ISPs, but they, they went very blanketed. And they ended up taking down CDN networks, which is content delivery networks, which basically are just servers that host uh, material so it loads faster into your browser. That way, like if you guys don't know what CDNs are, think of it as like um, when you go to, you know, Amazon.com and it loads all the pictures of the product, right? If you were pulling from one server in Washington State and you lived in uh, Oregon, right, then that's really easy. It's going to pull. But if you lived in Australia, it could take longer to pull. So they'll set up a CDN server like in Sydney, Australia that hosts all the same, you know, media. 
there. So then when you pull from Amazon, it says, oh, grab the images from there. So it's a shorter route, faster bandwidth. It, anyway, CDNs make web user experiences more enjoyable because there's there's less latency, basically. Okay, that's the deal. But they look like they're hosting malicious stuff because it's duplicated data everywhere. So Austria mistakenly knocked it down. Okay, so that's the lesson here. But what I want to share with you um, is the bigger picture of what happens when you make a, a policy decision and then you implement it at a blanket without doing the hard work of identifying what is in scope and what is out of scope. And this happens all the time, okay? A lot of times you'll make a decision in an infosec program and say, hey, listen, like we're not gonna we're not gonna allow um like let's say we're not gonna allow Windows XP machines on our network, period, end of story. Okay. Seems reasonable. XP died in like, I don't know, the two thousands. It shouldn't be on your network, right? This is a very simple example, but it's it makes sense, okay? So we're not gonna have Windows XP on our network. Policy. Um, insurance company says, if you get rid of Windows XP, uh, we're going to reduce your premium. Management says there's no reason for XP. You're, you're, you know, a fresh minted InfoSec engineer. And you're like, yeah, who, who needs XP? So you implement a ban across your network. Basically, Windows XP machines are no longer accessing the network. Okay. You give yourself a pat on the back and leave. It's three o'clock. You go grab early happy hour prices in a taco at Triangle Charm Bar. You're feeling great, okay? Here's the problem. The, the, uh, the machine that does um, stroke analysis on patients runs on Windows XP. And because that thing's no longer accessible, patient wanders into the hospital dem uh, showing signs of stroke, and the stupid machine doesn't work anymore because you've banned it. We've got a problem here, okay? It becomes so it becomes work where you actually have to say, we want to do this, and now the work comes where you have to enumerate all those things and make sure it works or doesn't work. And what is the impact of that decision? A lot of times you will hear people say this, okay? You'll hear people say this because it's easier and it can be frustrating to do all of that work, okay? You'll hear people say this. Let's just turn it off and see who calls and complains. Let's turn it off and see who screams. You will hear that. And unfortunately, sometimes that is the only option because you try to do that work enumeration and the business, the end users, whatever, they aren't getting back to you. You're sending out data calls. No one's getting back to you. And your only option left is to turn it off and see who screams. But I'm just telling you, like this is just a case example of a bigger recurring theme that does happen in IT and InfoSec that, you know, it's, it's a philosophical decision. It's very easy to turn it off and see who screams, right? You can do that today, but you could have some downstream impacts like the stroke machine I was telling you about. So sometimes you've got to do that work. If you work in mission critical systems, real-time operating systems, these type of things, you got to be mindful of that, okay? The more you know, that's what I need. I need one of those, like, now that I have Streamlabs, I could have a, the more you know, graphic. All right, let's roll. These hackers zero in on Australian manufacturers and wind turbine operators in the South China Sea. A Chinese-based cyber espionage group targeted Australian officials with reconnaissance malware to siphon off details to use in strikes against wind turbine manufacturers, said researchers from Proofpoint and the PwC threat intelligence team in a joint research published on Tuesday. 
The campaign deployed phishing emails directing targets to a fake news outlet called Australian Morning News, which contained images and stories lifted from legitimate news organizations. With subject lines in the emails such as sick leave, user research and request cooperation, the phishing emails explained that the sender was starting a humble news website and wanted feedback. The attackers, referred to as both TA423, Red Landon and APT40, designed the site to deliver malware known as Scanbox. AI Okay. I I get I get what's going on. I'm confused what the uh the goal was here like what's the goal like are they trying to okay okay so here's the deal china china rolls out their um their apt right so they roll out their varsity team their premier league squad for my uk people and they say we want they're an espionage group so they want information they want it on Australian manufacturers who make wind turbines. Okay, I don't understand if this is to steal technology to make their own wind turbines or to understand how they can uh, compromise these wind turbines and jack them up and screw Australia over. I'm, I'm not sure. Or it's Australian manufacturers, so I don't even know where these wind turbines are actually deployed. Right? So, again, I don't understand what the espionage objective is. Is it to destroy an adversary's wind turbines or is it to steal the technology so you can cut the development? The development time for research and development of your own wind turbines dramatically because you don't have to do the R&D. You just steal a solution. All that aside, this is a slow and smooth, complex, advanced persistent threat example. APT40, who is no joke, set up a, a Australian news website, pilfered actual news stories from... Valuable, uh, valid Australian news sites made their own website, targeted individuals who would be interested in it. It did. It was a legit website, right? It was a legit website. It was stolen data, but it was a legit website. It wasn't like the website was a phishing um, site or a watering hole attack or anything like that. It was a legit site. You could go there and learn about, you know, Australia's regular news, right? But then they were targeted with a follow-up on, hey, can we get some feedback? We'd love your opinion, blah, 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 blah. Here's a Word doc full of malware. We, we own you now, and now we're moving around your network. So slow and steady, there's an extra step here. Uh, instead of trying to trick the end user uh, into pulling something down on the, on, the, on the website, we see this level of sophistication where the website was actually valid, legit, and providing value to the uh, victims uh, before... They were installing this malware known as Scanbox to take them over. So, you know, don't sleep, guys. If you if you work in if you work in any industry that does research and development, like manufacturing, don't think that you're too small to be a target, right? You need to be vigilant. You need you do need a full stack security solution, right? You need protection controls, detection controls, EDR, MFA, educate your end users. All the things that we talk about all the time, there's a reason we talk about them all the time, because they're best practices. Text 20,000 hidden taxable swimming pools in France. AI software combined with aerial photography helped French tax officials bag about 10 million euros, which is about $10 million, in extra property levies. Home improvements, which boost the value of a property, are supposed to be declared, of course, but often are not. Nine departments working under France's tax office tested out a machine learning software to automatically find undeclared swimming pools from overhead photos. 
The software scanned the images for the telltale shapes of swimming pools and then cross-matched these to home addresses and property tax records. The program is expected to generate 40 million euros or 40 million dollars overall. All right, so I'm trying to be respectful of the 45-minute threshold for our show, so I will um, be quick on these last couple stories. And Michael Starnes, thank you. I do feel good about uh, the hot takes, the spicy, spicy that I'm throwing out today, despite my voice. Uh, I do feel like this this particular episode has a lot of great lessons learned in it. Uh, real quick on this story. Uh, great use of AI. What I think is hilarious, unfortunately, is that the French citizens who are getting taxed for their swimming pools that they were not reporting on probably paid in taxes to fund the project that created the AI that now is finding their pools that is now taxing them. Having said all that, you shouldn't be trying to skirt the law by hiding your pool. You have a pool. It pay, you pay your taxes, right? Great use of AI. Um, you know, I am kind of curious. Um, it's probably not 100% successful, right? So maybe, I know some people who like have painted their, they have a painted blue pad in their backyard. So it looks like a swimming pool from above, but it's not a swimming pool. I don't know why they did that, honestly, but um, obviously that would be a, a, a false positive, right? So you might get additional tax without actually being viable, but I don't know. Interesting use of AI. The tax man. Great cash, homie. It's all about that. It's all about that uh, cake, you know what I mean? Twitter's VP of Engineering jumps to Meta. According to a report by Insider and confirmed by Twitter, Sandeep Pandey, the vice president of engineering, is leaving Twitter after more than a decade to join Meta, formerly Facebook. Pandey joined Twitter in 2012 and worked his way up from staff engineer to the VP role. A Twitter spokesperson confirmed the departure and said this is natural given industry trends. Yeah. Okay. This is natural given industry trends. No, you know what industry trends are? Industry trends are like, you know, two to three years, 10 years and jumping from Twitter right now. It's called Twitter is a dumpster fire, right? The whistleblower just came out. Elon Musk might buy, might not buy going through court. There's bots all over the place. Yeah. Twitter's valuable, but come on, man. If anything, this dude is making a business decision on his own business of him. So good on him. Um, you know, guys, in 2022, you are the business of you. Yeah, you can have a pride and, and do great work and have integrity of the business you represent. But at the end of the day, nobody is going for the gold watch anymore, right? We are the CEO of ourselves and <laughs> we do what's best for us because businesses will do what's best for them. You know, we'll see what happens. You know, this is just an interesting story because this dude was a higher up at Twitter and he's going to Meta, right? So he's going from one big, big company to another big company. I don't know what, like, if this means that Meta is going to be like launching a better looking metaverse that doesn't look like Caillou's world or something like that, or if this is going to be uh, something, but whatever. To me, this is a guy protecting his own assets. All right. That's going to do it. We're at 844. Base case. Want you to know that you and the NCC group, I'm keeping it at 844, 845, 45-minute show. Guys, real quick before we go, later today at 1130 a.m., I will be going head-to-head -head against Jack Scott. You can go to the ThreatGen YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ThreatGen, or exclamation point ThreatGen in chat right now. 
and watch me versus Jacks live and have it shoutcast so you can watch both our feeds or you can stay and check out the Simply Cyber YouTube channel and watch my feed. I will be the red team as I am very overtly representing. I might get a hoodie if I if I get a little chill. So I'm going after Jax. I'm coming for her. She's going to be defending. It'll be a good time. I got the soundboards loaded up. No, no, no stream sniping. All right. And then guys, finally, this Thursday, CISSP mentor. Thanks for the... <clears throat> Thanks for the squad membership. Uh, guys, Matt Keeley of Practical Malware Analysis. He's a SimSpace uh, practitioner, and he's a very advanced red teamer and also a malware analyst. So I'm actually really curious because typically malware analysis is a blue skill, and he's a very advanced red team operator. So I'm really curious how he uses malware analysis in a red team capacity. So join us later today at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you're available tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, as usual, the daily threat briefing will be every morning. I appreciate all of you for being here today. Thank you for dealing with my 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 illness, frankly. Um, at the beginning, it, I kind of worked through it. Guys, be great. We'll see you out there. 11.30. Take care, everyone.